to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. If you love your cosmetics and beauty products, but you've heard that there may be concerns with the toxicity and the effects on your health, well, stay tuned because we're going to be covering everything you need to know about choosing the right kind of cosmetics and beauty products that will keep you healthy for life. Hi, and welcome to the Wild Wisdom Show. I'm your host, Dr. Patricia Mills a medical doctor with a different spin on women's health. I'm a specialist in physical medicine rehabilitation, practicing functional medicine, and I love taking complicated science and breaking it down into easy to understand information that you can start actioning right away for immediate results. And today's show, we're going to be talking about toxic beauty products, how to avoid cosmetic chemicals that could harm your health. And today I am joined by Lindsay Curry. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and why don't you give the audience a little introduction? Okay, so uh, my name is Lindsay Curry. Um, I'm in Toronto, Ontario, uh, Canada. Um, I'm a wife, a mom, a graphic designer. I'm a brand advocate with Beauty Counter. And um, for about 15 years, I've been on a journey to living life a little bit less toxic. Um, and yeah, that's how I sort of ended up here, uh, looking for ways to optimize my health through small um, changes to my everyday. Yes, and that's so important because one of the things that we do every day is we get up and we start applying our beauty products, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because the research shows that Within an average day, um, most women are applying on around 168 chemicals onto their skin, um, and that could be through, you know, shampoos, uh, conditioners, hairspray, gels, cosmetics on the face, body lotions and creams, sunscreens. And the thing is, you mentioned, you know, you're on a journey to becoming, um, you know, being less toxic, right? And I think that. Um, many women aren't even aware of the idea of the need to be less toxic. So how did that Absolutely. come into your awareness, this desire and need to live a less toxic life? So it's interesting. I have um, battled a number of sort of um, chronic health conditions since my, uh, actually since childhood and in my teens. Um, I was diagnosed with a few hormonal disorders in my early teens um, that just sort of followed me, uh, have followed me ever since. Um, but it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s and I was um, came sort of face-to-face with infertility is the way that I think about it, um, that my eyes were opened to, to, the, to this issue, to how many things I was doing in my everyday that were impacting my health. Um, at that time, you know, I knew that eating organic was better than conventional, drinking lots of water was important, getting rest, getting lots of exercise, but not too much. All those sort of basic health um, principles. 
But what I w- wasn't aware of um, is that there are things like um, hormone disruptors, carcinogens, allergens, irritants in our um, products. Uh, I just had no idea. And when you know better, you can do better. And so I just went from there and it snowballed into a whole sort of career of, of opening people's eyes to the power that they have to make these changes to affect their health. Oh, thank you so much. That was such a good lead in. Um, you know, it's interesting because I talk about the four pillars of whole body health and you touched on some really important aspects of it, which are, you know, there's the gut health, there's the hormone balance, stress response. And the last pillar is toxins tolerance. Mm-hmm. And I find that, you know, women often and men, you know, will do and rightly so focus on the on the foods that they're eating, on the exercise, the water they're drinking, all of that kind of thing. And we often um, either are not aware of or we develop what I call the ostrich method, which is putting your head in the sand about the toxins tolerance. And toxins tolerance is interesting because it's different for every person, right? There are some people who have this amazingly genetic gift of detoxification and it doesn't matter what they're exposed to, they just detoxify it. And those are the people who are, you know, you hear those stories sometimes like, oh, my grandmother smoked a pack of cigarettes every day and drank, you know, alcohol every day until she died at the age of 103, you know, (laughs) kicking and dancing. So, you know, those people have incredible ability to detoxify. And on the end of the other end of the spectrum are people who are barely able to detoxify or have very poor detoxification. And that's showing up in conditions like Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, ALS, like all these, you know, um, cancer, all these things. And then somewhere in the middle, there's those subtle things where it's hard to put your finger on whether or not it actually is related. But the research shows that there is a connection, which are, as you mentioned, hormonal concerns like infertility. Um, people having problems with menstruation, you know, heavy period, painful periods, short or too long spotting. It really depends how the toxins affect your hormonal production, all the way through to problems with menopause, like having a much more difficult menopause experience than one would hope for or expect. Um, And then other issues that eventually affecting even the hormone Um, you know, ability of your brain. So getting into dementia and brain fog and Alzheimer's and things down the road like that. Um, And the interesting thing is, again, if someone's listening to this and they're like, well, there's nothing I can do about this. I'm just going to stop listening. The reality is there is so much that can be done about this. Um, And first, it's like understanding the why, right? And then understanding what it is that you can do to minimize your risk of exposure, which we're going to be talking about today in terms of how to choose beauty products and cosmetics that are less likely to increase your you know, toxic burden and harm your health all the way through to, um, and this, we'll not be talking about this today, but like, how do you support your natural systems of detoxification, which there's so much that can be done. Um, so any thoughts about that in terms of what I just talked about that kind of rang a bell for you? Or Yeah, so for me, um, having been experiencing um, health complications for over a decade as a young adult, when I discovered that there were things that I could have been doing all the way along to improve my health, um, I was I was frustrated. I was mad. But I also I chose to be empowered by that as well. And I when I figure when I when my eyes were opened and I realized that there were these things that I could change and they were simple things and they didn't have to be 
um, they didn't have to greatly impact my life. They could just be sw simple swaps, like, you know, switching out my plastic Tupperware and switching to glass, like those simple things like that, that could have an impact. I, I took my head out of the sand and I just thought I'm going to do everything that I can do because why wouldn't I now that I know? Oh, beautifully said. Absolutely. So empowering. And yeah. it's those little things, right? And it's not stopping wearing makeup or stopping using beauty products. It's simply making choices that allow you to replace something that could be slowly but surely undermining your health with mm -hmm. something that either doesn't, you know, doesn't harm your health, might even help your health, or at the, you know, at its worst, maybe it's like a little bit of an issue, but you minimize its use knowing that, you know, it's not something you want to put on every day, right? Right, right. And the way I think about it is, if I can make a bunch of changes that aren't a huge sacrifice for me, if I can make these little swaps, then I'm giving my body the room to do its its job naturally, right? So if I'm reducing the, the burden that I'm um, imposing on my body, then it can detoxify so much faster, so much more effectively um, within within my body and and give me the best possible chances, right? Yeah. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I went through that journey myself, by the way. I also had problems with infertility, um, probably connected to hormonal imbalances as a result of what I was putting on my body every day, in addition to what I was eating and drinking and, and all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. However, that exposure, there are two ways that we expose our body to things. Well, a few ways. But the biggest ways are what you eat and drink, what you put on your skin and what you breathe. So, you know, there's the air pollution aspect, which we're not going to cover. There's the food aspect, which I've covered in depth in previous episodes and will continue to do so. However, the skin is one of our largest organs of absorption. In fact, it is our largest organ, organ of absorption to the external environment. And what we put in our skin, depending on what it is, does get absorbed into it. Um, there was a study done by the U.S. FDA, Food and Drug Administration. Um, this time they were looking at sunscreens and they looked at the absorption of the chemicals in sunscreens into the body. Before they did the study, there actually was no understanding of whether or not what we put on our skin was being absorbed into our body from these lotions. And the FDA, the, the, their preamble was that we approach the companies and they did not want to do the study. So we had to take it on ourselves. So they did the study using a number of different products and they took participants and actually measured their blood. They were taking blood samples and they got them to put the sunscreens on their skin and they took the blood samples. And within three minutes of applying the sunscreen, they found levels in the blood that were above the FDA recommended safety levels. And these go. were right, and these were chemicals that are uh, in this particular case. It was the chemical filters. It was the chemical that filters out the UV rays. So, like oxybenzones, avobenzones, um, you know, all of these what are called aromatic compounds, um, different from the mineral filters that block, that sit on the skin, don't get absorbed, and block the rays, like zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. So these other aromatic compounds were being absorbed into the skin and detectable within three minutes at concerning levels that the FDA was like, oh, what's going on here? And their conclusion was, um, you know, their conclusion wasn't don't wear these sunscreens. Their conclusion was 
we need to look into this further because we weren't actually aware that this was happening and this could be problematic for women's health. Now, you could wait for the research to show that it's problematic, or you could simply start to cut out certain products. And a lot of um, cosmetics have these products for their sunscreen, and also they are known as whiteners, skin whiteners. So some people like to have that for their skin. And Mm -hmm. the reason it whitens the skin is it could actually cut down the melanin production of your skin, which also puts you at increased risk for cancer because melanin is what protects you from the UV rays naturally that your body makes. So it was like, it, and in fact, they did a recent update. The FDA did a second study and they showed that not only do these chemicals get into your body, they stick around hmm. for a surprising long period of time, right? And so it, it really is important when people say, well, are my cosmetics getting into, from my skin into my blood? It's like, well, we've shown that it does happen with sunscreens, with certain chemicals, And so things like foundations that you put on, um, body lotions, is very probable that there are some of these chemicals getting in there. So it's not just an effect at the level of the skin itself. It's also a concern within the body. And as an example, and please, if you know, um, if you have any knowledge of these chemicals and what they what the impact they have on their bodies, but my understanding is that some commonly used chemicals in cosmetics and beauty products like phthalates, so that's P-H-T-H-A-A-L-A-T-E-S, um, they are known, they, the research has proven that in humans, it has direct and indirect effects on our hormone productions through affecting the brain, through affecting the ovaries, right? So that's how putting on a beauty product could potentially cause the hormonal imbalances leading to problems like infertility, menstrual issues, menopausal issues, is because they actually are known to go in and affect the working of our ovaries. Yeah, I mean, it makes me so um, it makes me so mad that um, known endocrine disruptors and known carcinogens and stuff like that can be legally in our products in Canada and the U.S. Um, but we can get to that later. But I love that you brought up sunscreen um, and phthalates. I think that both of those um, issues are shine a big, beautiful light on the fact that this is not just a women's health issue. Of course, I know your audience is mostly um, primarily women, and we are the uh, the primary shoppers, the, the people that uh, buy the products for, for homes. Um, but this is not just a women's health issue. It's affecting our our um, it's affecting all genders. It's affecting our children. Um, you know, we're about to go into summer in Canada, and we're already in those days of slathering our kids in sunscreen every day. Um, and sunscreen's one of the products that I like to say, if you can only make one switch to safer this this right now, let it be sunscreen because it is um, it has. So many ingredients of concern in many of the conventional sunscreens and making that one switch to a safer product will affect not only your body, but also the rest of your family and your household. Um, So it's a really great place to start if you're thinking, okay, I've got We've got your attention. I can make one swap today. Um, Sunscreen's a great place to start. Yeah, I agree. And thank you. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's not just women. For men, it can affect sperm count production and, you know, testosterone production. And actually, the biggest time for exposure damaging your your hormonal balance is when you're in utero. So Mm -hmm. when you're in your mama's belly, 
and you're, you know, if you're putting on, uh, your mom has been putting on these chemicals on her skin, unbeknownst to her, of course, and these chemicals are getting in. And actually, again, research has conclusively proven that they can affect your future, um, you know, risk of hormonal imbalances and even the production and development of your hormones through your ovaries and other hormonal glands. So absolutely, this is relevant to every single person out there. And the you mentioned, so endocrine disrupting chemicals are chemicals that disrupt hormone production. Hormones are made by endocrine glands. So that's the research terminology for chemicals that affect uh, hormone production, endocrine disrupting chemicals. You mentioned carcinogens. So those are chemicals that cause or increase our risk for cancer. And that's uh, interestingly, some of those sunscreen ingredients, in particular oxybenzone, has been known to increase uh, risk of cancer as well as uh, hormonal imbalances. And in rat models, they cause thyroid cancer. So this is not a minor thing. This is something that's really worth paying attention to. And as you say, one simple um, swap that you can make starting now is to look for sunscreens that have mineral filters instead, such as zinc oxide. I like zinc oxide because zinc is also very nice for the skin. It also mm. helps the skin with collagen formation and skin healing, whereas titanium dioxide doesn't really have any additional benefits like that. So I always look for those zinc oxide. Um, and we're going to talk about Beauty Counter later because you you're working with them and your um, you know your part of your work is through advocacy for uh, better um, you know legislation for um, beauty products and other products, which I, we're going to talk about next. Um, and I found that certain um, Certain brands like Beauty Counter are diff one of the way you can tell that they're a good quality brand is you look at what kind of filter they're using in their sunscreen and cosmetics. And if you see zinc oxide, in particular, non-nano zinc oxide, um, nano means it's very, very, very small. And uh, that means it could be absorbed through the skin. And then you'd be getting zinc into the skin or titanium dioxide into the skin, which you don't uh, into the body, which you don't necessarily want. So when I look at supplements, there are a few things I can tell right away if it's a good quality supplement, you know, if the company's using good quality ingredients. And this is one way that I can tell if generally speaking, a company is using good quality ingredients. Not to say that every product that a company makes is something I would use because, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes there's some really great products and sometimes there's, there are ones I would avoid. I'm not brand loyal. I'm ingredient loyal. And towards the end, I'm going to be teaching you, the audience, um, what is it that you can do to, there's a website that you can use specifically to analyze the ingredients in your beauty products. And it'll give you a very detailed readout on the toxicity levels, like one being completely safe all the way up to, I think it's eight or nine, I, I forget the top number, but it'll give you a rating scale between one and that top number. And then you can start making some really educated decisions, starting off with those good quality companies, knowing that at least there, you're going to probably find some really great products that you can invest in. Yeah, so, absolutely. Lindsay, tell me a little bit about your advocacy work and give us a little bit of the background on the current state of legislation for, um, you know, ingredients and things like beauty products, because I'm sure the audience is listening here or viewing this and, and thinking to themselves, why is it that the government is allowing these products with 
known, proven cancer-causing, hormone-disrupting um, chemicals to be you know, available to the general public. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's a, that's a big lift. Um, but so I think that in Canada, we haven't seen, um, a, ma a major law updated around this since 1999. It was a really long time ago. I was in high school. <laughs> um, in the U S it's even earlier. I think it was 1936. Um, wow. it's, uh, there's been a lot of change. If you think about how much the world has evolved in that amount of time, I mean, the industrial revolution alone introduced um, a ton of chemicals into um, the consumer marketplace. And so, you know, when we think about our grandmother's generation and we say, well, she's just fine. I mean, think about how the world has changed since then. And so we're dealing with a whole other, um, whole other uh, situation. So um, we're actually seeing in Canada really great news this week um, out of Ottawa. Uh, we are seeing um, a bill, Bill S5, which was... Um, is the first amendment to the Canadian Environmental Protections Act. Um, we're just seeing it um, making its way through approvals. Um, this will be the first amendment to um, this act that is covers a lot of things in terms of environmental health and toxicity, um, but it will be the first change to really affect um, Canadians uh, since 1999. So it's a great first step, um, but we just still have so much uh, so much time to make up for. Um, there's been too long a leg uh, and a lot of innovation in the space since then, and we just have so far to go. Um, so, yeah, I, I happen to have been in Ottawa um, earlier last month advocating for um, support of SEPA because this is a change that we um, have been needing to see. Um, I was there with my company, um, meeting with members of parliament. We had 25 meetings, I believe, on a single day, just meeting with members of parliament on both sides of the aisle, looking for support of this sort of fundamental right um, uh, and working to push um, legislation forward to protect all Canadians. Wow, that is so cool and so exciting. I have, I have mm. quite a few questions that just stem from that. Oh, yeah. Let's work through them. Okay. Yeah. First. First of all, um, if this passes, what are the it, like changes that we would expect to see as a result? Like, what practically speaking, what would happen? So, um, so I mean, laws laws change very slowly. So this will be a slow burn, but this is a first step. Uh, we are going to see um, more accountability for companies, um, a demand for more transparency. Um, labeling a product so that we can see um, when we flip over our product packages that we actually, um, uh, one of the things that we want is to be able to read every single ingredient um, in that's included in the product, which as of now um, is not the case. We can go into that uh, later. But um, yeah, I mean, the legislation, the these legislative changes are going to just move, move, things forward we're acknowledging toxins that are uh, allowed for use and work towards uh regulating them and banning them yeah. oh so because it's interesting you should say the banning parks i know that in europe they allow a lot less there are some chemicals used in the u.s and canada that are not allowed in certain places like europe mm -hmm. um and i don't know the discrepancy but would it would this potentially shift us towards 
um, having companies actually have to omit and eliminate certain chemicals um, from beauty products? Uh, not, not just yet, um, but that's where we're hoping to head. Um, so again, change takes time for sure, um, but this is a first step. Um, but yeah, of course, the, the goal is that, um, that we can at least catch up with the European Union in what they ban and restrict from their um, personal care and cosmetics products. Um, in Canada, I think our hot list is about 800 ingredients. In the European Union, it's 1,800. Um, so we're um, behind the times, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And many of these companies are formulating products in Europe, and then they're selling a different formula here in Canada uh, or the U.S. because our restrictions are less. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I actually, just a tiny side note, but it has absolutely everything to do with it. I was traveling to do some research presentations in, I think it was Copenhagen at the time. And, you know, the Lara bar, you know, mm -hmm. so it was so funny because there's a Lara bar sold in North America. And then when I went to Europe, I looked, checked out their Lara bar and it was completely different ingredients. And basically, they had omitted many of the ingredients found in these, you know, in North American bars um, that I personally don't want to eat, like preservatives and emulsifiers. And they were not present in Europe. So they actually create different foods for different countries based on what that country legislates. Mm -hmm. So the legislation is protecting its citizens. So the citizens are blissfully unaware that they are, you know, um, benefiting from this, this legislation in terms of their health, whereas in North America, we, the consumers, have to be the ones who are watching out for ourselves until the legislation can catch up and, mm -hmm. and protect us so that we don't have to think about it as much. So, um, yeah, that's so interesting that you should say mm -hmm. that. Yeah, and so many of us don't even know that we were supposed to be self-policing, right? That, that's what happened to me in my 20s. I, did, I had no idea. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's the idea. Um, one of the things that uh, we are, um, we would really like to see change is to, um, for com companies to have to reveal all of the ingredients in their products. So full transparency. Um, as of now, legislation protects the company actually with something called um, trade, secret, se trade secret law, which protects um, companies. They don't have to disclose what's behind the word fragrance. So they can put fragrance on the label. Um, and hide up to 3,000 ingredients under that one word. So even if you flip over that product and you see none of those words that you're used to looking for, like phthalates or parabens or things like that, if you're looking for those words, consider fragrance one of them. If you see fragrance, it could be hiding any number of ingredients, um, none of which you're allowed to know about. Um, and so put that product back. And that, that applies to everything from your uh, lotion, your baby uh, bath wash, um, deodorant, uh, air, uh, laundry soap, air fresheners, all that stuff. Fragrance. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, you know, there's this list of uh, dirty dozen chemicals that you want to avoid, um, you know, at all costs in your cosmetics. And fragrance is one of them in addition to uh, at many, many ways. I'm not going to go into it, but there is a list. And you can look it up on David Suzuki um, mm -hmm. website, the dirty dozen chemicals in cosmetics. And the, as you say, the interesting thing is that that word fragrance, fragrance, it sounds so innocuous, like, like harmless. And there's an equivalent in food, and that's natural flavors. So the term natural flavors is an umbrella term to hide a bunch of things that could range from something very harmless all the way through to 
MSG, monosodium glutamate, which some people have extremely severe reactions to. And also, you, just because it's a natural flavor doesn't mean it wasn't chemically extracted. And that chemical process carries, you know, that, that chemical persists in the product that is used. So, um, you know, it's like the Doritos effect. Doritos, the reason it tastes the way it does is because it has natural flavors in it. But there certainly are not burrito flavors in there. Those are, you know chemically extracted flavors put into your Dorito to make it taste a certain way. And it's the same thing with fragrance where they're taking a variety of different chemicals, some of which could be harmless and some of which could be harmful, but you don't know because it's under this big umbrella term. The other thing is that, so definitely avoid anything with fragrance. I agree. I, I don't spray it. I don't put it in my home. I don't have any um, of those plugins with the fragrance coming out because it's a very chemical fragrance and it does it is known to be an endocrine disrupting chemical source mm-hmm. and particularly with body lotions and cosmetics and it's tough for people because we uh, these products are designed with a specific purpose of making us want to buy them because of the texture and the smell and how it makes us feel and you know, tingling those olfactory nerves and giving us that sensation of pleasure from putting it on. So Mm -hmm. oftentimes making a switch from a product that we love is really difficult because we like kind of almost become addicted to that scent. Um, And yet it's the scent that's caught that could be contributing to the problems, which is, which is kind of fascinating. Yeah, of course. I mean, so we have, we have such a like sensory thing with scent, right? So you've been using the same lotion or, you know, the smell of your grandmother's lotion or things like that, where they just tr- give you those happy feelings. Um, for sure, that's, that's absolutely a thing. Um, fragrance, I, I think some people, some people think, oh, well, I don't wear perfume or, um, you know, I don't use Glade plugins, um, but it's just so, so much more vast than that. Um, and I also like to to tell people, you know, mig- migraine sufferers, how many times um, people get headaches from a scent in a room, uh, whether it's discernible or not, whether re- it's recognizable. Um, that's just such a an easy thing for people to make that connection. Where if a scent can give you a headache, what is it that's that's giving it that that smell? Yeah, it's it's the chemical footprint of that fragrance and. It's good that you mentioned it. it's not that you have to smell the fragrance, it's that it gets absorbed into the skin as well. So it's that kind of double whammy. A couple other other things before I ask you some more questions about your experience um, at Parliament. And we're recording this in June 2023, if you're you know catching this at a future time. So exciting times uh, in history in Canada, at least. That's very, very good to hear. Um, you mentioned the Industrial Revolution and how that's really changed things uh, since the last update in the legislation, a lot of these chemicals that are being used in beauty products and cosmetics actually came from the Industrial Revolution. They were used as solvents, like to dissolve things. They were used as um, lubricants to lubricate machines. Um, You know, they were used as degreasers, and they put them in our lotions and our products to make, for example, makeup stick longer, have brighter pigments and color. So a lot of the colors, um, they come from like coal tar dyes and those and and uh, petroleum. And those things make our products uh, last longer, you know, stay brighter and not go bad on the shelf. However, those are the products that are also 
um, you know, getting into our body, into our bloodstream, into our tissues, and pot- potentially causing problems. Absolutely. Um, I think we can agree that uh, coal tar should not be the colorant in our mascara. And that's um, unfortunately the reality. And uh, yeah, if you're not paying attention, unfortunately, there's a lot of sort of dirty stuff going on in the industry. Yeah. And by the way, if you're wondering if your product has coal tar as a dye in it, you look for the words CL dash and then a num- numbers after it. And that's like the coal dash like the, the specific kind that's being used. And generally speaking, just avoid all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the petroleum, pe- petrolatum, you know, all those products. Um, yeah, it, we could go into it in more depth, but at this level, I think you just have to start trusting us when we say avoid these products. That's one of the top 12 dirty dozen on David Suzuki's website. Um, so just avoid those things like parabens. And at the end, uh, it's impossible. Here's the thing. I really value the concept of full disclosure about ingredients. And I recognize that most of us are not going to learn which ones we should avoid because the list um, over it, for every thousands of chemicals available for the beauty industry to use, one in eight has been shown to be potentially carcinogenic or endocrine disrupting chemicals affecting our hormone balance. So it is virtually impossible, even for myself, to memorize all of the ones that I should avoid. However, there is a website that I will share with you at the end in which you can put in these uh, ingredients and it'll analyze it for you. But you need to have the full list in order for the analysis to occur. And companies like Beauty Counter, what I really like is when I went to Beauty Counter um, to look at their products, I was able to find online all of the ingredients used and input it into the ingredient analyzer. And so that's another way to tell if a company is a company that you want to further explore their products is, can you even do that? Can you find their list of ingredients and analyze them for your own better understanding? Yeah, I think transparency at the is sort of the very base of finding a brand that you can trust, finding, finding places where you are comfortable shopping. Um, if someone's trying to, if a company is trying to hide ingredients, then, you know, what are they trying to hide is is exactly it. Right. I don't want a friend that's hiding a bunch of stuff for me. So I'm not going to take that from the companies I purchased from either. hundred percent. So if I was a fly on the wall of your 25 meetings in one day with, uh, you know, members or representatives of parliament, could you give us some highlights of just interesting things that went down in your conversations that you, that you can disclose um, to the audience? So I was uh, in Ottawa in 2019 as well, um, doing the same thing, um, advocating for reform of the Canadian Envir- Environmental Protections Act, and then being back here again for four years later, and a pretty big four years in the world, right? Like a lot, a lot has happened in those four years. I was just really surprised and delighted to see how far we've come in terms of um, awareness of these issues and just the, everyone that we met with that day was just so open to hearing um, our perspective, learning more about why this matters and how they can help. And I think that it just showed that, you know, every person that we met with is just a person. They have a family, they go home to their to their family at night. And those, um, every conversation that we had was 
just with someone who was impacted by this as well, who could have their eyes open to these issues as well, and who cares deeply about um, the health of uh, their own bodies and their families and um, the, the environment as well. Oh, that's so wonderful. And I like the reminder. Sometimes we think about, oh, what is the the government? Why are they not doing it? And why do they not legislate? And it's like, well, when you break it down, it's a collection of humans who have, mm-hmm. you know, through their life experience, ended up in positions in government, and they're being brought into the situation that has, like, it's, you know, been present for a very, very, very long time, full of red tape. Um, you know, they may have very busy lifestyles and not be exposed to the same kind of information that you and I could be exposed to in terms of our concerns with certain chemicals. And they're human. Yeah. And, you know, given the right circumstance, the time, the uh, respectful interactions and, the, you know, just the human compassion, we can together work on this and they becomes us. Yeah, I think, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And whether you're like me and a mom just trying to buy a safe bath wash for my for my daughter or, you know, a member of parliament with the power to make these legislative changes. If you don't know about the issues, uh, you can't do anything about it. So that's why we're out here educating and um, just trying to do better. And when you when you met with them, did you get the sense that it was a lack of understanding of the uh, currently available research proving all of these potential concerns? Or is it more that it's uh, truly difficult to pass bills and to create new legislation or a combination of both? Like, what was your sense of the current, um, you know, how, how it stands now of it not being as well um, legislated as places like with the European Union? So I think there's sort of two things that um, making this a priority um, and finding the space and the time and um, making it a priority. Um, But I also think that, you know, corporations have uh, a lot of pull and corporations don't want more legislation in their industries um, because it means reformulating. It means um, it means changing all kinds of stuff. And that means money. So um, companies are not necessarily in not all companies at least um, are in support of more legislation so um, it's time that we put uh, you know citizens uh, first over over companies and corporations it is time Mm -hmm. and one of the best ways that you the uh, viewer or listener can do this is to vote with your money Mm -hmm. so you know start making those shifts Start getting curious about your body, your beauty product, even if it's a good, um, let me rephrase this, not good quality, but an expensive product that you commonly find at your local stores. <laughs> you know, I used to go into like Shoppers Drug Mart or Sephora and these beautiful places like the Bay or Nordstrom. And I just would be so, you know, in this joyful, ecstatic state with all of these products available. And it was a shift where as I became more aware of the potential problems uh, and I started looking into what the commonly available um, salute, you know, products were there and that m- almost every single one of them with very few exceptions were ones that I currently would not put on my body at all. Um, you know, it was unfortunate because there was a, a, a kind of a grieving of being able to walk into these places and just easily purchase things. And I had to replace that with, the um, peace and satisfaction of 
finding a few really fantastic products that I source for the times that I do wear makeup. Now, what I have to tell people is that you will never find a beauty product that is chemical free. That's just not possible. First of all, not every chemical is bad, mm-hmm. right? There are chemicals that actually can um, moisturize the skin and protect the skin and you know beautify the skin without harming health. So to say that something needs to be chemical free is a bit ingenuous and, and uninformed. Um, you need to find beauty products that either have chemicals that are all helpful, in which case you can use them as often as you like, or let's say you just simply cannot find an amazing lipstick or mascara that you that works like in the way that you want it to, you know, it just stays as long as you want it to, it has that lasting power. In order to have that lasting power, it may have a chemical that's not ideal, but as long as generally speaking, it's a good product and you minimize its use. So I only wear things like mascara or lipstick uh, and definitely foundation. I only wear them when I'm doing shows or I'm going out for a special event. As soon as I come home, I wash it off um, and I makeup free at home. And that's how I navigate the reality of this world. It's not about um, you know, letting go of all of your makeup or just giving up on everything because you can't find the perfect product. It's about making those choices that are better rather than, you know, worse. Yeah. So um, if I can plug Beauty Counter now, <laughs> um, yes, this is sort I, of... I'm holding a Beauty Counter <laughs> mascara. And yeah, you know, that's amazing. This beautiful bullet looking mascara um, from Beauty Counter. Yeah, it's really great. So, so that's what Beauty Counter was for me when I discovered it um, about seven years ago. Um, it, for me, became a place where I could shop without worry, right? I could shop the entire website. All of our products are held to the same safety standards. All of our color cosmetics are triple tested for heavy metals. Um, every batch of product that goes out has been tested to ensure that we'll never have a recall because we've already done the testing. If it's in your hands, we've deemed it safe. Um, and so knowing, knowing that I could shop there and not worry and not have to read the ingredients labels because I'm not a chemist. I am not, um, I don't have the wherewithal to know every ingredient and that wasn't how I wanted to spend my time either seven years ago. And so using, um, tools, uh, to figure out what's safe, but then also finding brands that I truly can trust. As opposed to, you know, a green line within, um, you know, a conventional product line. Um, Beauty Counter just became a beautiful, safe place where I could shop and not have to do the research every time I wanted to buy a red lipstick. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. And you were telling me that, you know, you were in Parliament because of your work with Beauty Counter. You were there Mm -hmm. with um, a group of, um, can you explain, employees from Beauty Counter or... Yeah, so Beauty Counter is a network marketing company um, primarily sold by a network of consultants, um, brand advocates, as we call ourselves. Um, And I actually think that this is the coolest thing about Beauty Counter is that as a company, when we were founded, it was determined that we wanted to change the industry for the better. We wanted to leave the world a little bit better. And so by arming um, all of our consultant field with the knowledge and the power to go out there and do this educating and advocating um for better um we're out there in communities just sort of like helping to move the needle and helping um 
women and people to make better choices for themselves. Um, but as a as a company, we are founded on sort of a three core principles: um, education, like we're doing here today, um, advocacy, and formulating beautiful progress uh, products as a solution to the problem. Um, the advocacy piece of this really like just spoke to the core, <laughs> to, spoke to my core. Um, I there's no other beauty count company out there advocating for more um, legislation in their own industry. Um, but it is well overdue. Uh, it's a change that we absolutely need to see. Um, and so supporting Beauty Counter also means supporting that work. Um, we have an entire team devoted to advocacy. Um, we use our voices all year round, but then also uh, year over year, we spend one year at Capitol Hill in Washington and then um, Parliament Hill in Ottawa. Um, advocating for laws that will protect all of us, whether you choose to shop with Beauty Counter or not, because that's what we all deserve. Awesome. So yeah. practically speaking, if someone wants to buy Beauty Counter, you have to find um, a consultant. Nope, you don't have to. No, nope, oh, you don't have to. Um, yeah, so we're primarily online. Um, you can shop beautycounter.com. You can, of course, shop with a consultant um, or a brand advocate like myself. Um, but you don't have to. Uh, if that part doesn't resonate with you, then you don't have to um, do that. Um, and we do have a few standalone stores. We have one in New York, one in L.A., hoping for one in Toronto. One day. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we have um, we're mostly online. So beautycounter.com. Awesome. Uh, do a plug for Vancouver and maybe even my small town of Smithers. <laughs> yes. yes, I will. I'll put in a word. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Um, yes, and I've looked up your products and I've used this particular database that I'm going to share now. And yeah. so the database is, um, it's called cosdna.com. So if you type in cosdna.com, and if you look at the website, there's, um, you know, tabs across the top and it'll say um, products and ingredients and then analyze ingredients. So you want to click on the analyze ingredients then you go to the website that is selling the product that you're interested in, find the ingredient list, which sometimes takes a while to find, mm -hmm. but you can usually find it, and you copy and paste the ingredient list of that particular product you're looking for. You paste it into the ingredient analyzer um, text region, right? So you just paste it in there. You don't have to do anything else. Like you don't have to separate it line by line. It just, each each word just has to be divided by, uh, separated by a comma, which is already done on the screen in most cases. And then you just hit analyze ingredients. And then if you scroll down, you'll see a list of all of the ingredients and the safety levels. Um, and what you're looking for is ideally between one and two safety levels. So that's the safest number is a one or a two. And what I find is that most um, most companies have between one and a two, and then the occasional three or four. And so the occasional three and three or four is generally okay. You know, it's it's again, like I said, it's hard to find something that is a hundred percent ones and twos. And then look at what that three or four is. For example, with Beauty Counter, sometimes it was a four, but it was like citrus lemon peel oil. <laughs> You know, as long as it's a true oil or essential oil and the oil comes from a plant, um, you know, like citrus, uh, I'm okay with that. Sometimes people get like, you know, with citrus can be a bit of a sensitizer. So if you're someone who has really sensitive skin, you might want to avoid something like that. But generally speaking, 
not because it's toxic. If I put citrus peels on my skin, if I have sensitive skin, my skin's going to not love it. And it's a totally natural you know, thing. But for most people, that's not an issue. Um, if you see, for example, that the number four or five, six or seven is, uh, you know, like an oxybenzone or um, a parabens or petrolatum, as we've mentioned, you might want to go to the David Suzuki and look up the top 12 dirty dozen. Uh, and by the way, Beauty Counter does not have any of those things. That, as far as I could tell when I was analyzing the ingredients, uh, you know, if it has those kinds of ingredients that you want to avoid that product. And it becomes very clear, and I've done this now with so many products, um, you can start to see right away it's like ones, ones, ones with a few threes and fours versus like fours, fives, six, sevens, eights, nines popping up all over the place. And so that's one really good way. And you can also do this, by the way, you mentioned your daughter's um, baby bath product. You can do that with anything. You, it doesn't have to be cosmetics. It can be um, dish soap. It can be um, you know, um, cleaning products, home products. So it's an ingredient analyzer and they have in their database every single ingredient I've looked at to date. So I just find that extremely helpful. And the other place that you can check, which is a bit better known, they don't provide you with the breakdown, but it's the ewg.org environmental working group. So that the website is ewg.org and you're looking for their skin deep database. And they have a database for house cleaning products and cosmetics. So depending on what you're looking for, you go into the appropriate database and they have what's called EWG verified, which is to say that the product has been tested by EWG. And they found that according to their criteria, they're okay with this product. Now, what I have to say is that um, I agree with most of it. Some of it I'm not a huge fan of, to be very, very honest. So I like to combine the COS DNA with the EWG.org. Um, if I'm interested in a specific product that's on EWG.org, I get more, you know, I get like, you know, look into a bit more. So Beauty Counter is on there as our other cosmetic uh, brands. And, you know, there are really great companies out there like Beauty Counter, like Honest, you know, all these different, um, you know, Burt's Bees is actually reasonable, pretty reasonable as well. So just to mention a few other brands uh, so that people are aware. And uh, when I was on Instagram, and this is actually how we connected, uh, Lindsay, was I put a call out to the people on my Instagram group to say, what, com- what clean beauty products are you using? And it was really cool to see how there are actually quite a few. Some of them are less well known, in which case the cosdna.com website might be more helpful because they may not actually have been analyzed by ewg.org. Um, and that's just a really great way to get started. Yeah, the EWG is actually where um, is a tool that I leaned heavily into when I started doing this work. Um, I really started switching over my products. Um, I mentioned my daughter's bath wash. My second uh, daughter had um, terrible eczema. Um, came out of nowhere for me. And uh, we recognized very quickly that she was being triggered by the products that we were using on her body. And so immediately I um, I took to the EWG and that that was really helpful for me because the overwhelm is real. Like if you've gotten to this point in the call and you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed, I would encourage you to lean into those tools um, because they're there to help and to take the overwhelm out of it for you. Um, And what I liked about the EWG when I was using it is you can actually um, scan barcodes. So you can be standing in your grocery store um, 
aisle and scanning barcodes. It doesn't work every time for sure um, because it goes by the specific, like that exact product SKU, obviously. Um, but you can you can type in the type of sunscreen or the that type of bath wash or whatever and get a safety rating pretty quickly. And then you decide, is that a good enough number for you for that product? Or would you really like to have that one a green, like a one or a two? because you're um, not willing to bend on a different product. So I just, again, I think it's having the information so that as a consumer, you can make that choice for yourself as opposed to just blindingly um, trusting companies. Yeah. Totally. And sorry, I have to ask, is your lipstick from Beauty Counter? This beautiful? Of course it is. Listening, Lindsay's wearing this beautiful, bright, (laughs) like vibrant, reddish. I don't know. It looks gorgeous. I need to invest. Yeah. Well, so that's uh, one of the things with Beauty Counter that sets us apart from other brands is that we we do do that triple testing for heavy metals. So that's not an ingredient. You're not going to get, you know, you're not going to see lead or cadmium in an ingredients list. That's a natural contaminant um, to some colorants. So um, making sure that you're the, the companies that you're shopping with are doing that testing um, just to ensure that you're finding the safest products. Oh, yeah, a bright... A bright red colorant is pretty tough to come by um, in the safe and natural sort of realm. Awesome. Cool. All right. I'm going to look at So thank you so much, Lindsay. And where can people find you or connect with you should they want to do so after watching this? Um, I think the best place to find me is on Instagram. Um, I'm over there um, at well.by.design. I don't post as much as I'd like, but I'm always in there in the DM. So if you have any questions, please find me there. And I'd love to chat and help you cut through the overwhelm and find your way through um, finding safer products. Amazing. Thank you so much for spending your time today with me. It's been a real pleasure. And thank you for watching and listening to this. I hope that you enjoyed this. If you did, please save, share, and subscribe with someone else who you think would benefit from this wild wisdom. And we look forward to seeing you at the next episode. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. And please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health.